Nova Pyrrhus' story is all about dreams, big dreams and defying the odds. She created sporting history as the first Indigenous Australian to win Olympic gold, and that was only half of it. What role did a tough coach and an even tougher policeman play in setting her on the path to Olympic fame in two different sports and all the way to the Senate in Canberra? Senator. Hi. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Good to see you. Great to see you and you're looking so well. Thank Fab you. Welcome to Olympians Off the Record. Thank um, you. Senator Perris, do you think we could wind back the clock and I could call you Nova for a while when we, when we talk a bit of sport? Yeah, for sure. That'd be great. In 1993, at 22 years of age, there was an article in a hockey magazine and you make a very, very big declaration. And you said to them, look, I'll... I'll win a medal at the World Cup, win in Atlanta, and then I'll go and run athletics at the Commonwealth Games and, uh, and, and the Sydney Olympics. I mean, it was pretty bold. Yeah, I read that, um, I don't know, a number of years ago, and I was sort of thinking, geez, that was a bold statement. And I remember someone asking Rick Charlesworth about that, you know, is Nova Paris cocky? And he said, absolutely not. I think she's just someone who um, dreamt big, believed in herself and backed herself. So I, I think, um, you know, I had a strong belief that uh, I could go places. You know, I was prepared to back myself, do the hard yards. And, you know, when you make statements like that, you want to back it up. It all happened. It did, absolutely. <laughs> it did. It was just, um, you know, I look back on, on my life now and, you know, I've, I've had an incredible journey. One that's still going, though. Those big dreams started before you were 22, though, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. I... Um, I remember watching the 1980 Moscow Olympics. I was nine then and uh, I turned to my mum and I said, I want to go to the Olympics one day. And uh, her, her comment was, well, you better start training now. So from the very young age, I dreamt big. I love my sports. You know, I always have this thing is a dream is only a dream until you share it with others. Mm. And uh, I like to share my dream with others. And, and I had people that supported me and backed me. When you were young, it wasn't just two sports, track and field and hockey. You were representing the Northern Territory in five. What were they? It was um, hockey, athletics, touch football, swimming was, was, was a sprint. I couldn't swim any more than, than one lap. And, uh, and basketball. Um, so they're the, they're the sports that I played as a kid. And AFL, actually, I, did, I played. I was a dead set tomboy. Mm. Um, and sorry, indoor cricket was another sport. <laughs> Keep going. So, yeah, I, I played all sports, but sports is great. Sports is a great foundation for any human being. And the Northern Territory were behind you, because I think as a nine-year-old, it was written in the NT Press or something. I mean, one day this young girl might run for the Territory and Australia. Yeah, it was, um, I think it was on the front page of the Northern Territory News. I'd uh, won five gold medals, broke five Territory records, and it had Nova Paris. Can she bring home gold for the Territory in Australia at the, at the Olympic Games? You know, I look back on those times and, um, you know, as a mother, it's the same thing. I want to be able to put my children in, um, in positions where they can dream big. You know, they know that there's no secret to success. It's all just hard work. And uh, you want to be able to support them the best that my parents supported me. Nova, tell us a bit about those early days. Your father leaves when you're two and Joan, your mother, falls in love with Les Chapman, who's a tough white detective sergeant, a copper. Tell us about your childhood. Yeah, it was pretty tough going. Um, so my mum raised myself and my sister Vanessa um, in a housing commission home. My 
um, stepfather came into our lives when I think I was about 10, Vanessa was eight, with mum's um, attitude of, you know, quality education is everything, you know, education is, is your passport to the world. And, and with Chappie's discipline, he went to Vietnam twice in the Navy, him being a copper, you know, we, we grew up in a disciplined household, but at the same time, they invested in Vanessa and myself and, and gave us all those great opportunities. You say disciplined Chappie, can you mm. give us some examples? You know, I, I remember um, I was a straight A student up until year 10, year 11, I was 15 years old. In an environment with other rat bags, which I was, and. Uh, Got caught wagging a few times and uh, Chappie being a detective. <laughs> wasn't hard to find that one out. So, um, yeah, um, you know, I got belted a few times as a kid. After one of my buildings, I, I ran around the, the corner to my grandfather's home and, and he was like, why are you crying for? And I said, oh, Chappie gave you a flog. And he said, why? And I said, oh, I was wagging school. He said, well, bloody good job. He said, I never had a good education, so you should be appreciative of what your parents are doing for you. You know, who would have thought, you know, this young Aboriginal girl growing up in Darwin, that could go to two Olympics, two different sports, and uh, be an Olympic gold medalist one day. But um, I think that that background I got taught from a young age that um, to be appreciative and, uh, you know, we, we come from resilient bloodline. With a burgeoning hockey career in front of you, you meet an Aussie rules footballer, Sean Kneebone. Fall in love, you're pregnant at 18. What was that time like for you? It was scary, I guess, you know. I was playing in the Queensland Hockey League, which was, you know, no sort of small feat within no. itself and uh, was doing very, very well. And, um, you know, um, I fell pregnant at 18. So I had to come back and, and face the music, so to speak. And, was going through the system where I was, you know, in the Australian under-18s, Australian 21 squads, and um, a lot of people thought, well, you know, her career's finished. Sometimes we look back on, on life and you think they're terrible things, but it was a wonderful thing. Mm. So, yeah, she was born a week after my 19th birthday, and uh, six, seven months later, I was back in that Australian team. So, Nova, this is where it gets, I think, pivotal in a way, because mm. your hockey career could have finished there as, as a... 19-year-old mum, couldn't it? Mm, absolutely, but um, I was determined to, to prove the knockers wrong. When she was about two, three months old, I was riding 20, 30 kilometres a day with Jessica on the back of the bike and training in the morning. I'd, you know, rock up to the, to the hockey turf, um, put her in the pram on the side and, and just do all my individual sessions. So, you know, yes, I was a young mum, but that didn't stop me. And in fact, it, it made me more determined to, to do well. You had a, a great believer in Rick Charlesworth, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. I, I think if um, Rick Charlesworth didn't take over the reins of the Australian team, I would never have played for Australia. I think um, Rick Charlesworth saw something in me. You know, he said many times that um, I had good skills, but wasn't the best skills, but I had tenacity, I had the the rawness, the roughness, and the never-say-die attitude, which is what he was in search of. And so he, um, he gave me that opportunity and something I'm forever grateful. He, he's just an incredible, incredible man that um, even my time in politics, if it wasn't for having those early years with Rick Charlesworth under his guidance, 
I wouldn't have done what I did in, in athletics either. So that bold declaration is starting to come true. You do win that World Cup and you go on a big, long, unbeaten run, the hockey ruse, leading into the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. It's fast track to the Olympic final. Annan. Goal! It's in. Alison Annan. Sensational. Yunjun Cho equalised with five minutes remaining to half-time. So they'll take a ten-minute break here. And what will Rick Charlesworth be telling his charges? It's one all at half-time. It, yeah. It's, uh, it's tense. And it's a quiet dressing room. What happens there? Yeah. It is one all. And anyway, Rick sort of pulled us all in together and um, arms around each other. And uh, what Rick Charlesworth basically said to us, what do you want, gold or silver? That was our halftime pep talk because uh, we had to go out then and play our heart out, and uh, and we did that. Trini Powers free works into the circle. A goal here would be terrific. Oh, what a fantastic finish! <laughs> Trini Power, what a time to score the goal of the tournament. The goal of the century. <laughs> you know, who could forget? You know, the goal by Trini Power was just phenomenal. You know, I look back on that now and it's everything that you dreamt, everything that you trained for, everything that you'd visualise. We reacted in the most perfect possible way and 3-1 up against Korea. Australia has won the gold medal in women's hockey. Oh, Nova Paris. Overcome with emotion, as well she might be. Almost best on ground for mine. Hardly made a mistake all night. You played the game of your life in the match of your life, so that yeah. must give you so much satisfaction. Oh, it, it does. It made all those sacrifices worthwhile, leaving my family, leaving Jess behind, you know, when I had to go overseas and, and, and play, but um, what an incredible day. Well, stand up and salute back home. There was the star of tonight, Nova Paris, with tears in her eyes. And do you remember, Nova, that Rick historically put something into perspective for you right after the match? He did. Um, he came up to me and he just sort of grabbed me by my cheeks. He goes, Kathy Freeman won an Olympic silver medal last night, but you're the first Aboriginal person to ever win Olympic gold and no one can ever take that away from you. So it was, it was pretty, um, yeah, as you'd say, special. But, um, it, yeah, it's, it's historical, you know, it's there. For Nova Paris, home is no longer the hockey pitch. The one-time Olympic gold medalist is now intent on doing the same on the track. So you make the switch to track. The 1998 Commonwealth Games are looming. Did you feel like a little bit of an outsider at that stage or not? I, I always felt like an outsider going into athletics because you had your um, athletics fraternity who had developed all these young kids to come through the system, so to speak, and, and they, um, people within the system were like, who does she think she is? She's coming from one sport into our fraternity and doing well. So you set your sights on the 200 metres in Kuala Lumpur and you make the final. It's a world-class field, including an Australian favourite, our sweetheart, if you like, Melinda Gaines for Taylor. What do you remember about that famous race? I don't even think I was nervous because just being there was like, I can't believe I'm in the 200 metre final. I had the spring and the step. It was just a phenomenal feeling. And all I can remember, I came off the bend and I was fifth off the turn. And it's still, it's anyone's race. Coming after her, Hewitt with Paris Nebone. Campbell making ground. Gainsford Taylor in front. Hewitt and Paris. 
Kneebone come at her. Paris Kneebone gains for Taylor. Paris Kneebone. Nova Paris Kneebone's won the gold. Campbell second, Hewitt third. Gains for Taylor has collapsed on the track. There was a lot of fallout from that race. Melinda Gainsford Taylor pulled up injured and there was a lot of criticism that you weren't sympathetic enough to her injury. Yeah, I think the aftermath where no one expected me to win. That was the first and foremost. It was it was a shock and um, I think um, I'm Australian, you know, and it, I should have been embraced as an Australian who was the underdog. Um, but, you know, there, there was the bitter rivalry, you know, Kathy and Melinda had it, then it sort of became me and Melinda. And unfortunately, it became a me versus Melinda thing, which it shouldn't have been, you know. Um, I couldn't care if I came second or third. The fact that I got on that dais and I was a Commonwealth champion should have been celebrated by everyone. I hated the individual limelight that sort of came with it, the, the negativity that sort of came with it. So I wanted to quit athletics. I, I flew to, to Perth and met with Rick um, and he invited me back into the squad. Um, so you could have played hockey for Australia in Sydney? Yeah, absolutely. I started questioning a lot of things and I thought, do I want to let um, those critics get the best of me? or do I want to go on and, and achieve that first title dream at running at the Olympics? So we get to Sydney, the 2000 Olympics, and you make the decision to step up in distance to the 400 metres. Cathy's race, she was the number one in the world, wasn't she? Yeah. Why did you do that? I never thought I could beat Cathy over the 400. She was just, um, she was the best in the world. I took that big, brave move and, and ran the 400 because I believe we should have won a medal in the, um, at the Sydney Olympics in our 4x4 mats, I put my eggs all in the one basket. Talk to us a little bit about the moment of representing your country in the Sydney Olympics in the final of the 4x400. Yeah, uh, it, it was an amazing, amazing, amazing feeling and uh, walking into that stadium with, your, again, your teammates and uh, Freeman, Gainsford and, uh, you know, Tams and Lewis and we were pumped, you know, and I ran first. Um, so, which was even more nerve-wracking because the expectations, you know, um, the weight's on your shoulders. But um, just to miss out on, on the medals, you know, sometimes you, you feel like kicking yourself, but if you can walk away and, and say to yourself, I gave it my best shot, then no one can ask for anything anymore. Very few people have won a gold medal in one sport and then been in a final in a very different sport at the mm. next Olympics. I mean, that, that's, that's big stuff, Nova. Yeah. I don't, it's only because you have brought that up a few times, well, Bruce, but um, yeah, it's, it is special. And I don't know, I, I sort of, maybe the times me having, um, being a young mum um, and just being fearless, fearless in the fact that if I say I'm going to do something, you've got to be true to yourself and just get out there and have a crack. You met Daniel there as well, didn't you, mm. during the Sydney Olympics, who was to become your husband and the yep. father of two of your beautiful children. Yeah. Daniel Batman, I'm talking about, yep. a very fine runner in his own right. In 2012, Daniel tragically passed away in a car accident. That must have been very tough. He loved his sports and, you know, athletics brought us together. We had, you know, Destiny and Jack, two beautiful kids, and, you know, he, Daniel was tragically killed, even though we drifted a part, we still maintained, you know, a good friendship for Destiny and Jack, but um, 
um, yeah, it's, but his legacy lives on with the kids. So it is, it is tough, but um, I think one thing with Aboriginal people, we, we go through a lot of deaths, we mourn a lot, but um, we handle death well in terms of, you know, how that spirit carries on. If there's an eagle flying above, the kids know that that's their father. Mm. So that can give you some comfort, can't it? It does. Mm. I've obviously remarried um, to, to Scott Appleton, who's been absolutely instrumental in the kids' lives. Not only has he been their rock, he's been my rock. After the Olympics and after you retired, and you decided to sell mm. your memorabilia. Mm. Can you tell us about that? It just got to a stage where, um, you know, I'd, I'd represent Australia for nearly 12 years. I had all this memorabilia. It was just scattered around the home and uh, it probably wasn't respected and valued, you know, as, as much as it sh should have. So um, I made that decision to sell it. And, you know, the amount of people that I've crossed paths with, total strangers have said, I was at the Canberra Museum and saw your medal. So, you know, it's, it's, it's respected and valued there. It's great that other people, all of us could go and have a look, but have you ever wanted it back? I think that that gold medal, Olympic gold, it, it deserves to be in that place, you know. I, um, I sold a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of stuff, you know, that I'd probably like to have back. But maybe that's something I could look at in the, in the future. I want to talk to you about a special moment. Uluru, you were chosen as the first Australian to carry the torch ahead of the Sydney Olympics. What was that like for you? Uluru, yeah, it was a huge honour. And uh, in the, the weeks leading into it, um, we got all this protocol um, information. It was like, under no circumstance must the torchbearer, um, you know, run accompanied. And Jessica, um, she could well read and she's like what are you talking about mum I'm gonna I'm gonna run with you I said Jessica okay we'll we'll negotiate this we'll talk she was 10 years old and you know she'd been with me every step of the way so there was no way that I was going to get away running by myself and I knew the spirits were going to be with me that day and um, me Jessica the Olympic flame the spirits and Uluru you know it was just phenomenal and uh, yeah it was, it was amazing did it have a lasting impact on you that day? Did it change you at all? It did. It, it changed me in the fact that that's the reason why I'm in politics. Because on the other side of the rock, you've got the Murujulu community, which doesn't have an oval. Mm. And we're always talking about closing the gap and, and wanting to help Aboriginal people, but if you don't give them the equipment to be advantaged, then we're still going to be having this discussion. So if that's a legacy that I want to leave so that Murujulu can have a grassed oval. That's a huge thing. And you know, there's a saying I, I heard once, as much as much as given, much as expected. So if you're given with a lot, you're blessed with a lot, you should be able to give a whole lot back. And you know, that's why I took up this challenge of moving into politics, because I think I've, I've got to give a lot back. Being a politician, everybody's a critic. You faced a lot of backlash, including hate mail. How did that affect you? I thought I was hit with Cyclone Tracy all over again. 
I didn't know where the hits and the, you know, the swings were coming from. In the first two, three months, you know, I'd wake up two, three in the morning, head down a toilet bowl, um, just vomiting, thinking, my God, what have I got myself into? But, you know, I started to put um, positive affirmations. I had pictures of Martin Luther King, um, Nelson Mandela, you know, Barack Obama. I thought, if these people, you know, can, can be the first in their field, I can do this. I call Australian football, as you know, and Adam, the Adam Good situation has yep. been a massive debate in Australia. Yeah. And, and, and it's been very sad in yeah. so many ways. But you would have been involved in it, obviously. Yeah, massively. And, and I, I had an obligation, you know, to go out there and, and speak. I don't care what anyone says. You know, there, there's a, there was a huge element of racism there. And, um, um, you know, we should be able to call it for what it is. And, and I'm glad that we've had this discussion because now we, we can look at a way to go forward. You've got so much to look forward to mm. and, and challenges in a political world now. Mm. But when we have this chat today and you reflect and look back and look, what a life, eh? So far. Yeah, it's been pretty incredible. But you know what, I'm excited, I'm so excited about my own children, my, my kids being able to go out and live their dreams. So could we see another Paris at the Olympics? Well, I, I think without a doubt you'll see my niece, Brooke Paris. Um, she's, she's a hockey roo. I think she's played about 60 caps for Australia now. And Jessica, she's 25 now. She's, she's got her sights on, on the athletics track, so. This is your daughter? Yeah, Jessica, the little girl that, you know, ran side by side with me. She's, she's got aspirations of, and I, I think she could do it. If she gets a few qualifying times up her sleeve, uh, I reckon she could be there. That would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, any regrets? I don't, I don't think so. I, I think, um, you know, if you want the rainbow, you've got to put up with the storm. The decisions I've made have not um, been liked by some people, but um, at the end of the day, if, if I'm a good mum and if I can do my job well, you know, and that's a senator, in the Australian public, a senator for the people of the Northern Territory, then, then that's a good thing. Senator Nova, thank you so much. I've thank really you. enjoyed it. Thank you.